It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, okay, here we are. Good morning. This is a new series, as Jared pointed out, simply called Simple. And uh, last weekend, I uh, gate crashed one of our Elevate groups and uh, just was eavesdropping on the conversation. And they were talking about uh, their, just sharing their experiences with their sphere of unchurched and dechurched friends. Just like, you know, what's your experience been or what does it typically uh, look like when you talk with your uh, people in your sphere about Jesus and about church? And it was pretty much to a person that they said that things just got derailed very quickly. That any time they would talk about Jesus or talk about church, things just got derailed uh, with you know, misconceptions and some of the prevailing notions that their friends have about Jesus, who He is, church, what church kind of, you know, is meant to be. Some of them are <laughs> informed by some bad church experiences that some of their people in their sphere have had. And, and I get all of that. And so I really put a pin in this series to uh, take the opportunity to really strip things back to the studs and remove, hopefully, some of the layers of misconceptions and prevailing notions about Jesus, about church that aren't actually true. Um, And so, hence, (laughs) the title of the series is called Simple. One of the common misconceptions, and look, you may have friends in your sphere that think this, uh, is that good people should run to God and bad people ought to run away from God. And that if for some peculiar reason, one of the bad people decide they might want to run to God, that they have to first get everything fixed before they can run to God. And the reason this is a misconception is because when I read the four biographies of Jesus, it's very, very clear that people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who weren't like Him. And so He came really to kind of turn things right way up. You know, you would say upside down, but they actually were upside down when Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago because He actually arrived in the Jewish culture into a system where you didn't actually have a personal connection with God. That what you were required to do was to operate within a system that was established for you. And you were expected, if you wanted to even get near God, if you wanted to get His approval, you were expected to live holier than you ever possibly could. And if you couldn't make that standard, which you couldn't, uh, then you had no chance of having a relationship with God. These people of the time in that system, they understood that God loved them, but they assumed He probably didn't like them because of what they did that wasn't 
good enough. And then Jesus enters history in human form and offers a very different and very simple invitation. And the invitation he offered 2,000 years ago, he's been offering ever since. And he's offering that exact same invitation today to you and to me. So I'm gonna show you what that invitation is. If you've got your Bible or your Bible app, pop that open to Matthew chapter nine. Now, coincidentally, Matthew chapter nine, the last series we just finished, The Joy Factor, we actually taught from Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, seven and eight. And I encourage you, if you haven't already, go back and read through them. You know, this is Jesus' first foray into the public sphere, okay? Uh, chapter eight is a banger. I mean, it's like a highlight reel just that Matthew recorded there. And I'm gonna drop us in to what Matthew recorded in chapter nine. But here's the context, okay, of what we're about to dive into. Uh, tax collectors in that time, were Jewish tax collectors in that time were the most despised people in all of society. I mean, that's quite an achievement. Because they were uh, working on behalf of the Romans, who Romans had occupied Jerusalem, along with many other parts of, of the known world. And one of the ways that the Romans fueled their, their enormous expansion was through taxes. And the Romans imposed 12 different types of taxes on the people that they had conquered. So the Jewish people were paying 12 different taxes to the Romans upstream. Here's, here's examples. Income tax, that's probably the obvious one. Land tax, okay. Tax on wine, tax on fruit, tax on grain. There were tolls on bridges, tolls on roads, tolls on gates, hello. There was district import taxes, export taxes, harbour taxes, town taxes. And what the Romans did is they actually sold the rights to collect the taxes to locals. It's like a franchise model. And so you could actually apply for a license to be the appointed tax collector for your region, where you grew up, where your family still live. And you would work on behalf of the Romans to collect tax for the Romans. But, but actually, the Romans didn't pay you. They took all the tax back for themselves. So as a tax collector, you, you, you were encouraged to add on a little extra. And that was what you took home, you know, your fee for collecting the taxes. Now, to make things worse, these licensed tax collectors, they could actually sub-license to their friends who would collect taxes into some sort of, you know, slightly further flung locales. And those subcontractors could add on another fee for themselves to pay for their time collecting the taxes. So this thing just got layered and layered and layered. And in that time, tax collectors were referred to as licensed robbers, okay? Not good. If you haven't got the picture yet, Jesus' four biographers actually point out that tax collectors don't even make it into the category of sinners. They actually were given their own category. Sinners included prostitutes and serial killers. And tax collectors, they had their own separate and higher category. They were worse, okay? So this is, this is what we're dealing with. 
Now, Matthew writes, as Jesus went on from there, he'd just been healing some people, he saw a man named Matthew. Now, this is actually the guy who's writing this account, okay? If you wanna talk about eyewitness, it's him. Saw a man named Matthew, me, sitting at the tax collector's booth, follow me, he told him. Now, if you've ever thought or if people in your sphere have ever thought that doing bad things disqualifies you from getting close to Jesus, then I hope this encourages you. Because Matthew was the worst of the worst of the worst and Jesus approached him. Jesus went to him. If you've maybe grown up in a church setting or you've got friends in a church setting who think that it's all about following the do's and don'ts and if you get enough right, enough do's on the do column, boxes checked and don't check too many of the don'ts on the don't column, uh, then if you think that's the system, then I hope this is encouraging encouraging to you because Matthew ticked none of the right boxes and Jesus approached him. And before I take us to the next slice in this story, it's equally important to understand what Jesus didn't say to Matthew. I mean, he simply said, follow me. He didn't say, Matthew, you are a disgrace. Disgrace to your family, disgrace to your friends, disgrace to the Jewish people. Jesus didn't start working through the list of stop. Matthew, I want you to follow me, but before you do, you need to stop and then work through the list. Jesus didn't throw down the start list. Matthew, I want you to follow me, but before you start, you need to do these things. I mean, literally, as far as facts go, Jesus could have swamped Matthew under a sea of guilt, but he didn't. And that might be stunning to some of you. That might be stunning to some of your friends who think that Jesus is a travel agent for guilt trips. And that's his starting point is all about the do's, the don'ts, the starts, the stops. And if you can line those all up, you can come follow me. In fact, let me say it this way. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from becoming a Jesus follower. It's actually a prerequisite. And he extends the same invitation that he extended to Matthew to every single one of us every single day. It's not actually a one-off invitation. So if you've been a follower of Jesus for 20 years or 20 minutes, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, his starting invitation today and then again tomorrow and then again the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year and the next decade is follow me. The same starting point that he offered Matthew. And then Matthew records that he got up, Matthew, and followed him. So not only did Jesus not offer Matthew the list, Matthew didn't feel like his his next move was to kind of work the list. He knew what the list was. He he just got up and, and brought it all with him, brought all of the history, brought all of the shame, brought all of the guilt, brought all of the things that he'd been doing to rob his people. He just brought it with it. He just brought it. No, sorry, Jesus. Uh, 
he just brought it all with him, all of the stuff that was less than God's best. And what he discovered based on his response was that over time, Jesus did change him. Jesus did work through the list. But that wasn't the starting point. So if you've got stuff that you're like, I really hope Jesus doesn't find out about this. No, it's like he already knows. And he's, he's got his big boy pants on. You just bring it with you and he'll get to it. Here's how the Lumo Project depicts a little bit of what this slice of history might have looked like. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we pick up from where Matthew had got up and responded yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. And Luke, one of Jesus' other biographers, records that Matthew's next move was to throw a a party in Jesus' honour. He wanted all of his friends to meet Jesus. It's like... So this is what Matthew went on to write. And while Jesus was having dinner at my house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. So look, I don't want to miss this. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's just hilarious. Matthew was not in denial about who he was and who his friends and his colleagues were. He was like, okay, Jesus is at my place having dinner and many of my colleagues and associates, they didn't say many of my esteemed, no, you did, many tax collectors and sinners. And it makes perfect sense that, 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 that Matthew would, st- when he wanted to introduce people to Jesus, that his starting point was his sphere, Right? Now, by the way, they're the only people that would have come <laughs> if he put out an invitation. Like, you would be like, what? You? No. So there is that. But it's a perfect example of starting and focusing on your sphere. Let me also show you this. Tax collectors were banned from entering the temple. And in that religious system, the only way you could approach God was via the temple system. So in effect, the tax collectors, because they were baddies, weren't allowed to have a relationship with God, weren't allowed to approach God because of all of the stuff they did bad. 
And therefore, on the other hand, religious people wouldn't associate with them out in public. Because if you were bad, you were called unclean. And if you were a religious person, a Pharisee, you didn't want to go near the unclean people in case you caught something. You had to keep your 1.5 meters. Now we see Jesus, a rabbi, inside Matthew's house with his colleagues and his scaly mates having a meal. And this was bizarre. Before I get to the religious leader's response, this is what Jesus went along with. So he didn't start at the tax collector's booth with the list. And his next place of leading Matthew wasn't to the temple to get things right, wasn't to sit him down on the rock and and give him the 30-minute sermon. It was to have dinner with him. Because Jesus understands that change begins in his presence, not with the list. In fact, he gives the invitation before there's even a relationship, right? However, the invitation is ultimately into a relationship. And it's within the relationship, not the rules, that transformation happens. Not to say there's, there's, there's not a list of things that don't do these and do do that, but, but it starts with the relationship. And it was different to the system of the day because the system of the day said, if you can get enough things right, then you can have a, a, some sort of relationship with God. And if you can't get those things right, then I'm sorry, you're disqualified. And Jesus didn't start with that. He didn't say to Matthew, you're unworthy. And until you get worthy, it's a no deal. And I wonder if some of you and or some people in your sphere may have had the experience of church where the message that was put out there is that Jesus says, fix yourself and then give me a call. But it's not. This is the real Jesus, the one without all of the layers of religion put on. And Jesus is sitting in this house at this table with, with, with career sinners, like people who sinned for a living, not accidental sinners. Oops, can't believe I did that. Had, had one adult beverage too many and oh, no, fell off. No, these are people, this is their job. Their job was sinning. And it appears that Jesus was comfortable being around them and that they were comfortable being around Jesus. And here's the thing. As the church, we are the body of Christ. If we ever get to a place where sinners don't feel comfortable being in the church, then we, not the sinners, need to have a good hard look in the mirror. Are we accurately representing Jesus to a world that needs him, but thinks they need to fix their stuff before they're allowed to go near him. Well, if you understand the religious leaders and the religious system, and I've been unpacking some of that already, 
This will come as no surprise that when the Pharisees saw this, Jesus inside the tax collector's house with the tax collectors and sinners, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. Now, I don't know how the Pharisees got that message in there because they didn't go in the house. You know, they sent a paper plane through the window, sent a text message to the disciples. I have no idea, right? But somehow the Pharisees got word to Jesus' disciples. Didn't ask Jesus. Word to his disciples, what, what's, what's the deal with Jesus? And somehow Jesus got that that was what they were asking and he punched back with this. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Remember, this is Matthew writing this. First of all, Jesus didn't deny that these people on the, around the table had issues. <laughs> he actually is publicly calling them sick. And they'll be sitting there at the table going, what? He, uh, even Matthew's like, hang on a second. You, this is my house, mate. You don't get to, no, he's like, Jesus calls us sick. And Matthew's like, yep, yep, sounds about right. And he didn't edit it out. He wrote it down. He's like, Jesus, I just want the world to know forever that Jesus called me and my colleagues and my friends a bunch of sickos. <laughs> but Jesus' starting point wasn't fixing all the issues on day one. His starting point was an invitation to relationship. which was the opposite to the system that required outward change before, they could, before there could be public association. Now, I love this. You ever seen the, like, the pictures of Jesus, blue-eyed, which is odd, anyway, like holding a lamb? It's like, <laughs> and, and And we have this idea that Jesus is kind of like a doormat, like he's just like, ah. And you just kind of, just, Mate, the guy had some attitude, all right, when he needed to. So he's already told the Pharisees, you actually got things upside down, all right? Now, the Pharisees were the experts. These were the people, I mentioned this last week, these are the people that would have learned the first five books of the Bible, the, the, the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, by heart, by the age of 12. I mean, these, these were like the serious religious players. They would have been used to being the smartest people in the temple. They're the ones that made the rules, taught the rules, enforced the rules, clarified the rules, told you when you'd broken the rules. Like they were the experts of the experts, used to telling everyone else what to do and how to think. And Jesus says to them, but go and learn what this means. In other words, you think you know it all, I'm about to double click on the fact that you don't. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, you who think you've got it all right, but sinners, people like these who they know they don't have it all right. In marriage, you can go through all the right motions. You know, blokes, you can always, without fail, remember to put the toilet seat down. And I recommend you do. You can both remember 
to squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom and not the middle, and I recommend you do. You can both remember that the toilet roll, when you replace it, is meant to come over the top, not behind the back. It's fringe, not mullet, okay? So, so, so you, you can, you can, in, in your marriage, you can do all of those things, and by the way, they will count for something. Louie and I have his and hers toothpaste tubes, and so that's an even better play, but anyway, I'll give you that one for free. Uh, you can, go, you, can, you can go through all of the motions, do all the right routines, but if there's no relationship, then you're just housemates. Because it's the relationship that matters and the routines, all the routines are meant to do is grease the wheels of the relationship to remove some of the obstacles in the relationship. That's Belgium for obstacles. And Jesus is stating the goal, that his goal isn't to maintain the routines, it's to restore the relationships. Now he'll teach about routines and he'll teach about what matters, but he'll teach them in a way that reminds his followers that they aren't the end in themselves. And the problem was that the religious leaders and the religious system had made the rules and the routine, the objective, rather than using them to ultimately point towards a God who desperately wanted to have a relationship. Now, apart from the his and hers toothpaste tubes, let me give you another bonus thought. One of the other rather common notions amongst some of your unchurched and dechurched friends is that Christians are very judgmental. And one of the this one of the things that this one of the problems that this solves of Jesus asking us to follow him is that if we do that, then our focus is on keeping pace with him, not looking around seeing who else isn't keeping pace with him. Our job's following, not evaluating. All right. Got any video gamers in here? Any video, anyone who likes to waste their time playing video games? All right, a couple of people, all right. I mean, okay. Adulting might be in your future, but anyway, I'm not gonna judge you. Uh, I'm just kidding, I set you up there, it was terrible. Uh, uh, okay. Gamers will know this, so so because there's only two of you, let me bring you up, all the rest of you up to speed. In the world of video games, there's a mode called God mode, right? Now, now, game developers hate this, and they work hard to 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 kind of lay code in there to make sure that you can't get into God mode. Because what God mode is is God mode is actually a cheat mode that a player can kind of you know, figure out a way to get. And when you're in God mode, you have access to extra ammunition that the developer never intended for you to have access to, uh, access to extra powers. And actually, in some games, you can almost become invincible, which is, you know, terrible for the game developer. Jesus calls us to enter into follower mode. Follower mode is very, very similar to the gaming version of God mode. You're not 
ultimately invincible, at least not on this planet, although that's the promise for eternity, so there is that. But in follower mode, we have access to extra ammunition and extra powers that we will not get access to any other way except if we enter into and remain in follower mode. Now, I've been imperfectly in follower mode for three plus decades. I've been in professional follower mode for two plus decades. And I've met a lot of people in that time who have followed Jesus for a very, very long period of time and never has any one of them ever said to me that they regret it. That, boy, I wish I'd, I wish I'd tapped out after 15 years because... Uh, And so, if you've never fo- if you've never followed followed Jesus before, then today that's his invitation to you. If you've followed him, but you've kind of got derailed, so like you kind of stopped following him. It's not that you don't believe he's the Son of God, but you just kind of then that's his invitation today. Get your focus back and follow me. And then if you've been following him, then this is a reminder that it's, it's a daily invitation and it's by the daily response that we will allow him to take us to places that only he can take us. All right, next week, we, we will likely continue this series. It'll be rep, reputation developing, of, uh, but anyway. Uh, no, next week we will definitely uh, continue this series and, and I'm gonna take us to the next uh, slice of what Jesus calls us to. So I encourage you, you to be here, bring your friends. Uh, you, can, you can share this podcast with your friends. I mean, literally some of your friends even if you just kind of, let me just show you this little something that a guy wrote about his encounter with Jesus. They'll be like, what? Um, it's, it, it's good news, but it's only good news if we can kind of strip away all the stuff that gets in the way of the good news. Keep it simple, people. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.